0: with great understanding, and with humility and love in our hearts. And there is where we're going to see a lot of things. I mean, we saw an atrocious political season where people were backbiting, people were losing friendships, they were losing family members, they were losing connections with people all over the place because of the way the conversation was surrounding specific political figures. Let me tell you, no political figure is Jesus Christ. And so to rally around one individual and to feel like you have— the greatest thing ever if this person would come into power let me tell you that you have your own thought process completely missed you've missed the mark when it comes to honoring the one that you need to now it's great to know that what different people stand for and, and voting is very important in our in our society it helps to uh, to to show what you stand for and believe for and that's amazing but when you put all of your eggs in a basket of an individual to deliver people from the hand of the enemy then we have completely lost thought, uh, our, our our thought process of who the savior really is because guess what jesus worked in the most crazy situations and people still got free. there are missionaries in the most communistic countries who are seeing massive salvations and people come to know christ in droves so it doesn't mean that whoever's in political power means that the church can then thrive or not thrive the gospel transcends political opinion It transcends uh, the different uh, powers that be. It overtakes and overwhelms the plan of the enemy. The enemy wants to use people to manipulate others to then move them away and cause their focus to be drawn away from what truly matters. However, if our sights are fixed on Jesus, then it doesn't matter what happens, what wavers, what goes back and forth, what, what pushes, what seems to be happening in the news and all these things. There are all kinds of narratives that you can follow. I mean, you can follow one news outlet and get one completely different story than another news outlet. You can go follow um, different conspiracy theorists and these guys have their own thought process on how things work and then you have the complete opposite side of that. You can get a whole different alignment of perspective of what's actually happening in this world, but are you looking to Christ to define what's happening inside of you? What is your barometer for truth? And so... We're finding ourselves very in similar circumstances as Timothy, because Christianity has been around for as long as the United States has been around as well. Christianity has been around much, much before that, but with the nation of, that we're in right now within America, those things have progressed all throughout time. And so we, we're in, a, we're in a, a belief system, especially in the Western thought, that has gone hand in hand with the way that America has has raised and elevated itself into the power that it is today. And a lot of people have used Christianity to manipulate their way into swaying Christian belief and Christian thought process. And so like Timothy, we need to walk with the grace and the favor of God. We need to have mercy as we go through this and we need to walk in peace. If we truly want to see this United States really be united. If we really want to see Popper Bluff transformed and brought together, we need to have our eyes fixed on unity through Christ, not division. Okay, I'm not going to get very far if I don't keep going. So verse three, this is where we start getting into some meat. It says, as I urged you when I went to Macedonia, stay there in Ephesus so that you may command certain people not to teach false doctrines any longer or devote themselves to myths and endless genealogies. Such things promote controversial speculations rather than advancing God's work, which is by faith. The goal of this command is love. I'm going to read that again. The goal of this command is love, which comes from a pure heart and a good conscience and sincere faith. Read that verse again. The goal of this command is love, which comes from a pure heart and a good conscience and a sincere faith. Some have departed from these and have turned to meaningless talk. They want to be teachers of the law, but they do not know what they are talking about or why uh, or what they so confidently affirm. Again, Timothy is here on a mission to combat these false doctrines. He's to correct them as a brother in the faith and to steer them into correct doctrine. I love that in verse 4 he says that they devote themselves to myths and endless genealogies. The word myth can be used um, and historically rendered this way, that Plato, um, one of the, the great thinkers of the past, was um, he used this term to denounce certain stories not simply as false but also deceptive. So saying that these myths were not just a false story, but it was very deceptive in the way that people would receive the information. Um, it would actually lead and lend— to credence uh, for immoral behavior or practices by linking them to an ancient story about a God. And so what Paul is is showing us is that as people in the church were listening to these false doctrines, they were starting to believe myths about Christ, about the genealogies of the past. So these people were manipulating scripture, manipulating history, attaching names of, of biblical figures to allow themselves to... Uh, to jump into immoral behaviors allowing them to jump into things that were anti-gospel and so paul is saying specifically hey these guys are lending themselves to myths they're speaking out myths and endless genealogies in verse 8 he says this we know that the law is good if one uses it properly everybody say "The the law is good yes okay it's good the law is good it's good. Jesus even says this. We can go back in the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus uses, and I've said this before, he delivers what's called the halakha of a rabbi, which is the interpretation of the law. Every rabbi would deliver their own interpretation of the law in a teaching called the halakha to their disciples or to their followers. In the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 5 and 6, Jesus delivers what is known as his halakha. And he shows people what the law truly means. He says, You have heard it say, Don't commit adultery. But let me tell you, if you just look at a person with lust in your heart, then you've committed that adultery. It says don't murder somebody, but let me tell you, if you just have anger in your heart towards an individual, you've already committed murder in your heart. So he's saying there's much more than comes down to just the action or the activity it's what happens inside of your mind which is why paul tells us in romans twelve two that we are not to, uh, to be conformed or depressed or compressed or to be manipulated by the ways of the world but transformed by the renewing of our mind and so we know that the law is good if one uses it properly we also know this that the law is made not for the righteous but for lawbreakers and rebels the ungodly and sinful, the unholy and irreligious, for those who kill their fathers or mutter, mothers, mothers. <laughs> they kill their fathers or mothers for murderers, for the sexually immoral, for those practicing homosexuality, for slave traders and liars and, and perjurers, and for whatever else is contrary to the sound doctrine that conforms to the gospel concerning the glory of the blessed God, which He entrusted to me. So we know that the law is good. He said the law was not made for righteous people. Why is he saying this? It's not made for righteous people because righteous people in their heart, in their mind, they're desiring to follow after Christ. They're desiring to honor God. And so in all they do, they have their eyes fixed on Jesus. So whenever they're walking, they're walking. I love, there's this illustration. I'll use this simply just because it's, it's, it's been great for my own thought process going through and reading the scriptures. There was a, uh, there was a missionary family. They moved to uh, to Israel. They wanted to do some mission work out there and get to know the culture a little bit more. And they noticed in the in the flat that they were renting that there were some doves outside of their kitchen window. They kind of nested there. It was, it was beautiful. They were like, oh my gosh, these doves are, are just gorgeous. Just seeing them, it's just, it's just wonderful. It just brings a smile on our face when we see the doves there. But they did notice that if they were walking through the house and they shut a door real loud, or uh, maybe they, were like, they would yell out to one another from a different room, you know, just got real loud, real sudden then those doves would fly away. <laughs> they'd be gone. It would spook them and scare them. Doves are real finicky. You know, if they hear something real quick, bam, they're gone. And uh, and so they w- they've realized, they said, you know what? If we want these doves to stay around, we cannot ask the doves to conform to our lifestyle and to just get used to how we are. We have to think and act inside of our house with these doves in mind. So if we want the doves to stick around, we got to make sure that we're walking in uh in, in some graceful steps we're not slamming stuff and going around everywhere like a crazy maniac we're not yelling out at one another so we can keep the doves over here so we don't you know disturb the nest and rt kendall uses that illustration he says in his book uh, holy fire he says that whenever jesus was baptized it says in john that the dove came and the holy spirit came as in the form of a dove and rested on his shoulders doesn't say anywhere else in the scripture that the dove left. I don't, I don't know if, if there was an actual dove that came down and rested on his shoulders. I, he uses the words, the Holy Spirit came down like a dove, and so that could be a good representation of it was, it was very restful, peaceful that he came on him. I don't think that Jesus walked around like with a parrot on his shoulder. He wasn't a pirate or anything like that. <laughs> pirate Jesus is not really the Jesus that I think was around. And uh, and so he said that what the way that you can look at this, though, is that using this symbolism of having a dove come um, and using the illustration with the, the missionary family. Is that if the Holy Spirit came on Jesus like a dove, then G- that meant that Jesus and the dove never left, meant that Jesus walked with the dove in mind. Every step he took was with the dove in mind. And so as I walk throughout my days, I recognize the Holy Spirit is with me. And if the Holy Spirit is with me, then I want to make sure that he doesn't have to conform his ways to my ways and to my thoughts. He's just stuck with me now. But I need to conform my lifestyle to conform to the way that honors the dove. And so the law was not made for people who are honoring the Holy Spirit every single day as you're walking through. That you you, you are very mindful of what you say. You hold convictions strong and true that you have great intimacy with the Lord. The law wasn't specifically made for those people because they are already in alignment with their, with their love and their passion for Christ. But the law was made for those who may not really have a good perspective of, of correct moral doctrine, correct moral treatment. When we start to negate these things, then we start to allow people to, uh, to dictate their lives based off of their feelings. And then that starts getting into very Gnostic belief or um, uh, Thelemite belief system from alexer crawley he had a book called the book of Thelema, which he had downloaded to him from an ascension master when he got super high in a uh, in a pyramid with his wife who was his cousin <laughs> wow um but he was on on all kinds of psychedelics and an ascension master a, a spirit visited him and downloaded this book of Thelema, which is now used throughout the occult all over the place and the essential principle of this that there john three sixteen of that is do what thou wilt is the whole will of the law So do whatever you want. That's good for your own law. Whatever you feel is perfect for you. That's the type of law that people are are living by whenever they're not honoring Christ. Now, whether they feel like they're practicing the occult or or, or, or witchcraft or anything like that, they they may not feel like they're doing that, but anything that is anti-God is going to be something that is anti-gospel and it is for whatever the enemy wants them to do. The accuser of the brethren will want you to do everything that you want to and then drop a ton of guilt and shame on you and make you feel lesser like you cannot be saved by Christ. When in all reality, Jesus came and he died on the cross for all of our sins, not just some of our sins, not just for the little petty ones. That's like, okay, I said a little white lie. I'm forgiven. That's good. No, it's for all the deepest, darkest, dirtiest, grossest, most inhumane, most nasty, Ir- 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 uh, just unforgivable things that you could probably think of jesus came for those two he went to the very bottom of the gutter and scooped all that stuff out and he took the, pr- the punishment for those things he died with those things and then through the power of god was raised from the grave and provided a way for us to experience salvation doesn't mean that we have a picture-perfect life after we come through and know Jesus. It doesn't mean that. It doesn't mean that that now all your problems go away because you're a Christian, because that's also not true. But it means that our salvation is not in what I can do. It is what Christ did for me. And that provides a way of reconciliation. Now, reconciliation is not an overnight process either. Reconciliation could be a very lengthy process it could go through within months it could go through for over years it could even go through over decades depending on what kind of um, situation that you're in but you can display the grace of God the peace of God and the mercy of God yeah. in your life that could lead other people to realize that your life if your life could change good Lord I wonder what he could do for me as well Amen. it's not to glorify your name it's to glorify God and in glorifying God that is going to be the thing that draws people in. Because if I'm the person that you worship, let me tell you, I'm going to let you down real quick. I've got a wife and a, and a baby girl that I'm a top priority right there. And so they're my first, my first outlook right there. And then everything else comes from that. So if you try to put something in front of them, I'm going to let you down. Sorry. <laughs> but that's why we also have the body. But let me tell you what, Jesus Christ doesn't ever let you down. He doesn't ever come... And push you to the side He doesn't make you feel lesser than you are If we humbly approach his throne Then we become like clay In his hands And then he can start to form Form us into who we were created to be If you're struggling with your purpose I can tell you what your purpose is right now Your purpose is to honor God And to give him praise You can have the most hardcore job That you've ever heard of in your life That job is not your purpose. Honoring Christ in everything that you do is your purpose. Honoring God as you go to the grocery store, that's your purpose. Honoring God as you're scrolling through on Facebook, that's your purpose. Honoring God as you're cooking dinner, that's your purpose. Honoring God as you let somebody else cook your dinner in the fast food restaurant, that's your purpose. (laughs) And everything that you do to honor God, that is what we are here for. Worship is much more than the songs that we sing on a Sunday morning. It's a lifestyle that we live. And so we know that the law is good as long as we use it properly. But when people use the law irresponsibly by forcing it on other people, making them feel lesser than they who they are, and oppressing them in a religious activity, that is improper use, highly improper use. And that's what we're seeing out of the people in Ephesus right now through some of their leaders. We'll go, we'll finish out with the rest of this 12 through 18. He says, I thank Christ Jesus, our Lord, who has given me strength, that he considered me trustworthy, appointing me to his service. Even though I was once a blasphemer and a persecutor and a violent man, I was shown mercy because I acted in ignorance and unbelief. Jesus even said on the cross, Danielle and I were talking last night and she brought this up and I loved it. Jesus even said this on the cross. He didn't say, Father, forgive them for they knew exactly what they were doing and they were turds and they still did it. He didn't say, Father, forgive them because they're just, that's just the way they are. That's just who they are and they'll never change. He said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Because if they would have only known that they were killing the Messiah, they would have felt so much conviction not to do this that he would have not gone to the cross. Think about that. And, and we get so mad and frustrated at people who are like, man, you're just, kill the Messiah. Come, just, we just need to come against these people. This is crazy. Look at people in your own life. Man, this person is just such a jerk, jerk face, and boss is just a, you and did this person? Uh, we get so frustrated. We almost wish that bad things would happen to them, just so that we don't have to deal with that anymore. But Jesus prayed, Father, forgive them because they don't know what they're doing. Paul says, I thank Christ Jesus our Lord, who has given me strength, that he considered me trustworthy, appointing me to his service even though I was once a blasphemer and a persecutor and a violent man, that, w- that in itself would many times cause people not to have that kind of guy in a leadership position at a church because they can't look past his past. But Paul even said God was, was gracious. I thank God for his gracious activity in my life. Let's go in verse verse fourteen. The grace of our Lord was poured out on me abundantly, along with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. Here is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Listen to this: Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I was the worst. But for that very reason, I was shown mercy, and that me, the worst of sinners, Christ Jesus might display His immense patience as an example for those who would believe in him and receive eternal life. Now, to the king eternal, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. Timothy, my son, I'm giving you this command in keeping with the prophecies once made about you, so that by recalling them, you may fight the battle well. Holding on to faith and a good conscience, which some have rejected, and so have suffered shipwreck regarding to the faith. Among them are Hymenius and Alexander, whom I have handed over to Satan to be taught not to blaspheme. That last verse was nuts. But here's what he's saying to Timothy, and this is what I love about Paul's writing. Is that he recalls the things that they've spoken into Timothy's life? Seeing his zeal and his and his love for the Lord. I don't have it on record anything that, that, that was said about Timothy beforehand, but he says, in going along with the prophecy said about you, prophecies as in just as the encouraging words uplifting him and pointing him in a direction that runs towards Christ at an even greater capacity. One that excites him and, and drives and puts a fire inside of his, his belly to continue on with following and service after Christ. It says, And going along with these prophecies once made about you, so that by recalling them, you may fight the battle well. The testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. So as we as we go through and we recall the deeds of God, as we recall all the things that he has done in our lives, the faithfulness of God throughout time and time again, when you can recall, this is what I love about, about having having recordings on, on YouTube, Facebook, and then even being able to write down things that God has, has shown to us in life, is that we, when we can go back and recall the things that God has done inside of us, things that we've been encouraged by time and time again in our gatherings and in the times where you get to share your heart with your fellow, fellow believers, that, that you can recall these things and it can ignite that fire again to remind you that God is faithful and that he has a plan for you. He has a desire for you to prosper and not to be harmed for success, for a future that is much greater than something that you can even try to conjure up on your own, not meaning that you're going to be a gajillionaire, because that may not be what God has inside for you, but the greatness of being able to proclaim his name around those without fear of man, but fear of God, and knowing that I want to please God in everything that I do, so in pleasing him, I'm going to move forward in what he's called me into. And so by saying this, he said, holding on to the faith and good conscience, which I have, uh, which some have rejected. So I've suffered shipwreck regarding the faith. And he even name calls. He calls out two individuals who he said, I'm handing these people over to Satan. Not to the point to where he's saying, I'm pushing a curse on these guys or anything like that. But he's saying that the accuser of the brethren, they will have to answer to that person, to that spirit, because that's the one that they're following after. They're not following after Christ. And so in calling them out, hopefully that brings conviction to their heart where they can move away from their wicked behavior so they can denounce the things that they have done. But by calling them out, knowing that I see the irresponsibility that you have as a wolf in the midst of the sheep. And so if you're gonna continue on in that behavior, then that's gonna be something you're gonna have to take up with your master, Satan. The accuser of the brethren, the one that tries to pull your perspective away from Christ and onto anything else that would make you feel more superior and then cut your legs out underneath you make you feel like you're the grossest of the gross. When we are acting in sin, we will sooner or later find ourselves on our back looking up and saying, Jesus, you're the only thing left that I have. And so Paul is not coddling these individuals, saying, oh, you poor false teacher. Oh. But he's saying, he's saying, look, if this is what you're going to be presenting, And that's going to be where you're going to have to find your solace with Christ. But everyone beware that this type of thought process, this ideology that they're pushing is incorrect and improper because it doesn't align with the gospel. And so for our lives today, for this chapter one that we've gone through, and I I didn't hit too much in the middle section. There's a lot that we can say about verses eight through eleven. the challenge for you this morning is that are you walking in grace, mercy, and peace in your life? Are you walking in the favor of the Lord? Are you walking with with the mercy that has said, the the, the loving kindness, the, the faithful love that God has, has shown? Are you walking with that in mind? Do you have the grace? Do you have peace in your heart as you're walking, you're dealing with people? Or is everything you're doing in, in tension and constantly contentious to where you're just battling with people all day long because you're trying to get your way, or are you trying to walk in unity with those? Even those that you disagree with, are you trying to walk and find a way to show them love and compassion, to draw them closer to the nature of Christ? How are you dealing with, with these contentious issues that we find ourselves in this culture dealing with? Are you showing love and compassion to those who are flying? A flag that represents pride in their ways. Can you still show those people love even though you don't agree with their lifestyle? Can you? Realizing that you are not the Savior that judges them in the midst of all of their thought processes. Realizing that your only responsibility in the midst of of those who are transitioning from one gender to another, that you are not the one that's supposed to stand there and point a finger and tell them that they're just the scum of the earth. That is not your responsibility. I see that nowhere in scripture. Can you show love, compassion, mercy to the people who are struggling and who know not what they do? I'm convinced that those who are so deep in sin that they are following after their own ambitions and their own thought process and their own passions, that they don't know Christ. If they knew Christ, they would not be following after sin. And so how are we as lovers of the Almighty God, as the body of Christ, how are we trying to draw those people in to see Christ and to wade past all the trees that are preventing them from seeing who Christ is? Are we missing? Are we missing the forest for the tree that's in front of you? How can we deal with these with these issues, with these individuals, with, with all the things that are that are coming up? We gotta walk in grace, in mercy, and in peace. We can be frustrated. I've been frustrated time and time again, but that doesn't mean that I act out and lash out in anger in my frustration. I speak truth. I desire to speak truth. No, it doesn't always come out as, as as I would like it to. But that's where we can always apologize and ask for forgiveness whenever we don't say things the way that, that we meant it to come out. But we need a desire to speak truth. But truth without love is abuse. I'll say that time and time again. Truth without love is abuse because you're pressing people beyond a shadow of a doubt to come into alignment with something that they don't f- f- fully believe or, or, or affirm. But love without truth is coddling, and it's allowing them and enabling them to walk into sin. The beautiful balance is walking truth with love. And this is what we see Timothy is tasked with. This is what we're going to be going through in this entire book, is watching a young man walk through truth and love, and have to deal with these specific issues. And Paul is very specific about some specific things that they're dealing with. We're going to talk about women in church. We're going to talk about um, uh, sexual lifestyles. We're going to talk about a lot of different things within this book, and it's going to get wild. But we need to first and foremost know what Paul said here. We need to walk with the grace of God and the mercy of God and the peace of God. And if we can approach everything with this mindset, then it's going to be a lot easier to reach people for the gospel of Christ and not for Zach's thought process. And so how are we dealing with this in our life? Are we walking in grace, in mercy, and in peace? Are we aware of people's ignorance to the gospel? And can we love them in the midst of that so that we can walk them and lead them to Christ? Bless you. Let's stand this morning. Lord, thank you for thank you for your your word. Thank you for people who are diligent to love and have compassion on others. Thank you for thank you for Paul and for his his love for Timothy and for the church in these different areas to write letters to encourage and to uplift to deal with, with church issues and, and discipline and to deal with these things that we can now look at as, as great barometers for how we can act around others in our day where well, we're dealing with a ton of different stuff. A ton of different things that, that, that have not been as as pushed on society as it has as it has been today, with the quick access to, to technology and to social media and uh, the sensitivity of, of all these different people and, and wanting to bend over backwards for all types of peoples. Um preferences on how they're supposed to live their life and how they're supposed to go through things let us have grace mercy and peace as we walk throughout our days god as we see people that we know who are dealing through issues let us walk with grace mercy and peace so that we honor you and everything and that we don't just get what we want in our ways because then we end up conforming to the way of the world trying to force my own thought process on somebody but let us walk with the conviction of the holy spirit in everything we do just like rt kendall said let us walk with the dove in mind Let us consistently have your preferences on our heart. Let us consistently have your compassion close to our lips so that when we talk with one another, when we deal with people, that it's done in love, but it's also done with truth. Father, let us not sacrifice truth so that we make people feel like they are loved whenever we know that what they're doing is improper and incorrect. So let us be able to speak the truth in love. But God, let us not be oppressive with the truth so that we negate love as well because you are the God of love. And so if that's the case, then we need to walk in love as well. Lord, give us a great sound conscience, a great sound mind, holding on to the faith. Let us not reject our faith and become shipwrecked. And Father, let those who are walking in the ways of the enemy, let them be aware of the things that they are doing. Father, bring conviction to their heart. Lord, that as they follow after the accuser, after they follow, as they follow after Satan, Father, that, that let the circumstances that occur in their life lead them closer to you regardless of what happens so they can know that you have grace, mercy and peace for them so that they know that, that your love is the greatest thing among anything else that it doesn't matter what they've experienced, what kind of sin they've found themselves into, what kind of inappropriate behavior they found themselves in, what kind of ditch that they found themselves digging that father they know that there's a way and it is Jesus and that the truth that you have can set them free from all oppression and anxiety. Father, I pray that we walk today in grace and mercy and in peace. In Jesus' name I pray. And everybody said, amen. If you are dealing with certain things in your life that you would like some prayer for, um, then feel free to come up. We'd love to pray with you. Uh, we, we wanna be a body that comes together and believes and prays with one another. Uh, but feel free if you, if you are, are gonna be heading out Uh, greet someone, go to lunch with someone,